You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. I, I love you guys. I've been, I've been hanging out with you the last three weeks, knowing that I had an opportunity to come at the end of this Awaken series, Volume 2. And I love your pastor. Thank you for the opportunity to come. In baseball terms, you're letting me back clean up. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I love this man um, because who you see on stage is the same man that you see when he's just with somebody one-on-one. And, and that he would allow a guest speaker to come in to wrap up a series that's as important as this one also speaks to his humility. And I've only known him a little bit less than two years, and yet I feel like I've known him my whole life. And so I'm just so impressed by you because I know who it is that God has brought here to serve you and to lead you. And Pastor Kevin is in the exact same mold. And so just just love, love, love this church. Love what God is up to. I come from a church that, that is similar. And so we're kind of, a, kind of a sister church from another mister. But hold on a second. That's bad theology, all right? That didn't work, all right? Can't, we can't do that. But, but just we love to tell people about Jesus. We love the, our folks that are hanging around, that they're going to be transformed more into the likeness of Jesus. And so I am honored, so incredibly honored to be here today. And I'm excited. So how about we go to work so that we look more like Jesus when we walk out here than when we did walk in. You with me? We down? Okay. All right. So remember, we're in the midst of talking about revival. And revival always starts with me. Always starts with you. It always starts with the individual. Our memory verse tells us that. Psalm 119 verse 88. Revive me. Right? According to your loving kindness. It starts with me, but always towards Jesus, always towards the Father. It starts with me, but I always want to be transformed. And it's out of that transformation that the Lord brings revival and things start to, start to change. Remember the, the, the chart that kind of showed what that journey looks like? It starts with a hunger or a thirst for, for something different, for a better life that moves to confession, that we, we confess, we admit our brokenness, the transparency that comes with that. Then out of that, the Holy Spirit convicts us, doesn't condemn us, but convicts us that there is a better way to live and that we, we follow the Holy Spirit's prompting that moves into a place to where out of all of that, we now share our story. We now proclaim who Jesus is and how he changes everything. Remember at the beginning, Pastor Dustin talked about some different revival type pockets that are going on in the country and talking about Asbury and talking about Jesus Revolution Movement, but also talking about he gets us. We're one of the churches that when somebody uh, engages with them digitally and says, I'd like, to, I'd like to know more, I'd like to get plugged into a local church, they call them explorers, that they'll reach out and, and, uh, and send them our way if they happen to be in our neighborhood. And this is somebody that, uh, that came, we'll call her Sarah, she's on the right-hand side, but, but Sarah came, she's coming on a Thursday night uh, to our Celebrate Recovery ministry, first time she'd ever come to church, and then there's a woman next to her, that's her sponsor, she hadn't been to church in two or three years. And Sarah's coming, and now her kids are coming, and, and Alexis and Ariel are knocking it out with 18 folks that they've invited. I think she's invited a dozen, and, and so there's just a beauty that's going on in this country right now that the Lord is, is stirring revival. And what I want to do is I want to help you guys lean into that even more. And so there's a story that I love in, in John 4. It's going to be if you look in one of the Bibles in front of you. I think it starts on page 914, but I'll be in John 4. You might know the story as the woman at the well. And the beauty of this story is that there's this parallel path that we can learn from today. And one is we get to see Jesus lead somebody to saving faith. 
And so he's the best evangelist ever, and we want to be more like him. And so we're going to get to, to take pointers from him along this journey, but also we get to watch this woman in her journey, to watch, watch her life change and watch revival start to happen that starts with her, but starts to impact the entirety of a community. So let's, let's dive in. John 4, starting in verses 1 through 4. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Notice that that's bolded. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Why, why is scripture pointing that out? Well, if you, if you look at a map of the area, and it looks pretty straightforward. Judea is in the south, Samaria is in the middle, and Galilee is in the north. And so naturally, you just go through Samaria. But if you know anything about Bible history, Samaria was an area where there were invaders that happened at one time during uh, Israel's history. And so there was a lot of intermarrying that was going on between Jews and non-Jews with Gentiles. And there has been ethnic strife and tribalism since the fall of man. And this is another example of what's going on here. And so the Jews viewed the Samaritans as less than. They dehumanized them in their hearts and in their minds. And so they would often skirt Samaria and head to the east. You can kind of see this dotted line. And they would go around there to go to Galilee. But in this moment and in this time, Jesus didn't have any of that. Because he realizes that everybody that's ever been made has been made in the image of God. And they come with that value. And it says that he had to go through Samaria. He, he had an assignment from the Holy Spirit that he was being obedient to. Back to the story, it says, eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Look at this. Tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well. This is like part of the story that I'm like, Lord, could that not be in there? Because there's just times I'm just tired. There's just times that I'm just weary and I need to go off and, and, and be by myself and I need to get rejuvenated and I need to be restored and, and I, I just, I need to be selfish and, and I don't want to be about all the things that you're about. I want to be about the things that I'm about. But see, when, when Jesus is your Lord, you don't get to sit on the throne. Only he does. But here's the beauty. When you actually engage what it is that Jesus has called you to engage in, there's nothing more restorative. There's nothing more energizing. There's nothing that will better remind you of not only who you are, but whose you are. And so he is always asking you to be on mission, regardless of what's going on, because he always knows what's best for you, and he always knows what's best for those that he's sending you to have an encounter with. And so out of this, he's at Jacob's well. I got a picture of that well. This is the actual well. That picture was taken about six weeks ago because a good friend of mine had gone to the Holy Land and knows that I love the story and, and took a picture of that. And that's not all that impressive, right? I mean, that almost looks like that plumbing job that Dustin was talking about week one in this series, right? But the reason that I put this picture in here is because I want you to know that the events of this book are about real places and about real people and about real events. And it was written by eyewitnesses during the time of other eyewitnesses. And this is a collection of documents that you can trust. Culture is trying to attack it and trying to disarm it. And it is not true. And these are real places that we're talking about. And so they're at this well. What time did Jesus get there? Do you remember? Noon. 
right? At, the, at, the, at noontime. Back to the story. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. She came to draw water. When? Noon. You ever been in a third world context? When you don't have indoor plumbing and you've got to go and get your water from a well on a day-to-day basis? When do people go? In the morning, the beginning of the day, not in the heat of the day. Or they go at the end of the day, you know, so then in the morning, all the water that they need throughout the day, and then at the end of the day to clean off from the day and get ready for the evening, but they don't go smack dab in the middle of the day. Something's off here. Something is going on. She came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He's always a gentleman. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. So here are the disciples. They're in what we would call a target-rich environment. And who are they worried about? Themselves. And they're in this holy huddle. And so they're going into the village and like, don't make eye contact with anybody. We've got to go get some food. And like they're arguing, do we go to Burger King or do we go to Chick-fil-A? And, and Peter's like, it's Sunday. Chick-fil-A is closed. We've got to go to Burger King, right? And so they're, they're going to Burger King. And they're like, don't, you know, don't talk to anybody. This, this is an unclean place. And, and they're just concerned about themselves. And yet, what, what is Jesus doing? The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and that was not a compliment. She was not trying to be nice. It was said with distaste. It was said with, you think you're better than me. This was not something that was trying to draw them closer together, but something that was very much declaring that I know we are very much apart. And I am a Samaritan woman. You're a man. I'm a woman. I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. I'm here at noon. Why are you here messing with me when everybody else isn't here? Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you. What did he start with? A gift. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Remember what Dustin said a few weeks back? Jesus always extends an invitation before the alteration. He didn't say, so why are you here all by yourself? Why have you been discarded by your village? What's going on in your life? Why didn't anybody want to be around you? He says, please. He says, I have a gift for you. And can we be honest? Sometimes as followers, we start with the alteration. And you know what that does? That leads to an altercation. And that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to introduce them to Jesus so that their life can be different. And the verse that just absolutely nails this down, if if you see this and you go, because of the experiences that you've had with followers of Jesus, because of some church hurt that you might have, just just some idea of going, that is not true. You've got to look at Romans 5 because it doesn't leave any room for doubt. But God demonstrates, present tense, not demonstrated, not as going to demonstrate, but demonstrates. He's always about it. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were discarded and had to go get water at noon, he still came and offered us living water. Can you just take a moment? I want you to think back to one of those times in your life, maybe the lowest point in your life. And I know this may be a challenge. I know it may be hard, but it's worth it. If you could just look back, like that one decision in your life, that one season of your life that, that's always haunting you, that's always challenging you on your worth and your identity, you're always going back to it. And when things kind of get hard, that's kind of what you fall back to or, or a time to step up and you're like, yeah, but I'm just this. 
I want you to know that in that moment, when you made that decision, I want you to know that Jesus looked at our heavenly father and he said, hey, dad, do you want me to go? Do you want me to go save them? And God said, yes, son, I need you to go. But I need you to know something. It's going to cost you your life. And Jesus said, yeah, dad, I know. But aren't they worth it? And the father said, yes, they are. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I want you to know that there's hope for you. There's nothing you've done that's more powerful than what Jesus did for you at the cross. And all of your sins have been paid for and they can be removed from you as far as the east is from the west. And what it requires of you is to recognize who Jesus is, proclaim him as Lord and Savior of your life, and surrender your life to him. Not quit, but surrender. Recognizing someone's greater than you and they do a better job of leading your life. It's amazing how much he loves us. And here's the deal. Our worst elicits God's best, always. We think our worst elicits God's anger and his wrath and his vengeance. It doesn't. It's his grace. It's his love. It's his best. And it's always available for you. And it's always worth sharing. Always worth sharing. So we get back to the, series, uh, back to the story and it says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She's talking. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? Do you realize what's going on? She, talked, she said you were a Jew. Now she's saying, but sir. There, there's this elevation that's going on all of a sudden of who it is that she's, she sees in Jesus because of his kindness, because of what it is that he's offering her. How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water soon will become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Again, this is just another example. Is, is, is not only that Jesus says, I have a, a gift for you, but now he starts to explain what that gift is. And here's the reality is Jesus always extends grace before judgment. He always extends grace before judgment. There's going to be a judgment day, but we're not the ones that are going to be judged if we've surrendered to Jesus. Jesus handled that judgment at the cross, and that's what he's made available to us. So here's what she says to that. She says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare, excuse me, this is, this is explaining what the living water is. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him, but the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. So again, when he's talking about this, this flow of bubbling water, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And it's saying that it hadn't been given yet because he hadn't died yet, but after he was died and buried and resurrected and then he left, the same spirit that raised him from the dead now lives in you. You have that living water living inside of you. And this is what he's talking about. This is what he's offering her. And here's her response. Please, sir, notice how it's changing. Notice how the consideration is changing, how the politeness is changing. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. Do you see it? Do you see the signs of revival? Signs of revival are this. She's hungry and thirsting for new life. She's thirsting for a better 
life. She knows that how it is that she's living now, there must be a better way. And as he's talking, he's starting to draw her in. But here's the thing. Jesus always comes in the fullness of truth and the fullness of grace. And so it's not just grace, but it's also truth. And he's going to use truth to kind of up the ante a little bit. Because he says this starting in verse 16. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. She's confessing. It's not necessarily a full confession. It's not like all the details and everything else, but she's saying, yeah, I, I, I don't have a husband. She's not sure what it all is that, that, that he knows, but she's at least confessing that. Jesus said, you're right. Right? He starts with a compliment. You just spoke the truth. You're a truth teller. You're right. And then he gets into her business a little bit. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. And you certainly spoke the truth. He didn't say that in a way like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> He's not busting her chops. But he's revealing to her what it is that he knows. And the only way that he knows is something supernatural must be going on. Because he just met her. He's helping her begin to see he's different. And he's elevated. And she might want to pay attention. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Oh, you're a Jew. But sir, please, sir, are you a prophet? Out of his kindness, out of his invitation first, out of his care for her, and then out of his considerate way that he talks about the brokenness that's in her life, he's not pushing her away, but he's drawing her in. And she's hungry. And she's confessing of what's going on. Sign of revival. She confesses her brokenness. Started with that hunger and then confessed her brokenness. But look how Jesus did it. He followed Colossians 4, 5 through 6 perfectly. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Even when you're tired and even when you're weary. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive. You're right. You spoke the truth. I have a gift for you. Be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Even somebody that says society, uh, even that society says you shouldn't even talk to. You shouldn't even associate with. Back to the story. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. See that elevation again? We've gone to prophet. Now we're talking about the Messiah. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? And why are you talking to her? And he's just revealed to this woman who he is, that he is the Messiah. She is coming to the uh, faith saving realization of who Jesus is. And they're going, what are you doing? Why are you talking to her? Because they showed up this way in a huddle right? They showed up in a huddle. I wanted to huddle the Dallas Cowboys, but Dustin said, that's not allowed on this stage. You can only put out the Miami Dolphins. Y'all pray for him. All right. But when you're in that huddle, all you're doing is worrying about yourselves and each other. And you're not looking around and you're not seeing when, when Jesus says, would you look around? The, the fields are ripe for harvest. When you're going through life, Alexis was getting her hair cut. And the person that was cutting her hair said, let me tell you about journey. 
Where is it that you're going on a regular basis where God's continuing to put you in front of people that he's saying, I just am asking you to extend an invitation. And yes, it's an invitation to church and that's great, but it's ultimately an introduction to Jesus. And that's what he has in store for us. And so just as the woman realizes who Jesus is, what happens? John 4, 28, the first part of that verse says this. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village. The whole reason she came, the whole reason she's there, something that's incredibly important for how it is that life is sustained. You're having to come to get water. And she found something that was greater. And it was so not only important to her, but she knew that it was important to the community that had discarded her, that she ran back to them. Because here's what we have. We have a sign of revival. She obeys the Holy Spirit. This is something that is not just for you, but it is for everybody that you know. And she can't keep it in, even at the cost of leaving that water jar behind. And she goes running back to the village. So what did the village do with that? Well, she's telling everyone, right? She is running her mouth, as she should. So John 4, 28 through 30 says, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. They told her, get away. And she's saying, would you please come? Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. What in the world is going on? Do you see the beauty and the power of just sharing your story? Just sharing your experience with Jesus? Just telling people what it is that God's done for you? You know what scripture says about that? In Revelation 12, 11, it says this. It says, and they have defeated him, him being Satan. They being us. We have defeated Satan by the blood of the lamb. Who is that? Jesus. We have defeated Satan by the blood of Jesus and by their testimony, by our story. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. They did not love their lives so much that they were worried about a little bit of social awkwardness in telling people about who God is. They did not love their lives so much that they remained silent when there was an opportunity for them to talk about the saving grace of Jesus because they thought they might be cast aside by a group of friends young people, students that are in here, there is no greater witness. There's no greater um, method to tell your friends about Jesus than to tell them the difference that he's made in your life. I'm not talking about a, a degree in an, an MDiv or, or a PhD. Or you are the subject matter expert on your story. And they weren't afraid to share it. Let's wrap the story up in John 4. Many Samaritans, many, many Samaritans came from one voice that ran back. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. She didn't hide that. She didn't hide the sin. She didn't hide the brokenness. She's like, yo, my life was jacked up and he told me all about it and he offered me a gift anyway. He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Many more because one ran her mouth. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Do you see the signs of revival? 
Jesus, she proclaims Jesus' true identity. Could this be the Messiah? And all because she was willing to share the skeletons that were in her closet. Journey Church, you've got a great opportunity in front of you, not to take God anywhere, not to bring God anywhere. He is everywhere all the time, but he invites us to partner with him and where it is that he's working. And he wants to use you and he wants to use me to make an eternal difference in people's lives. It changes everything. And I hope that you see in Jesus' example of how you do it with grace and kindness and compassion. And that you earn a right to be heard before you ever go into the junk and the brokenness and the things that are going on. We've got to get there. We absolutely need to get there, but it's out of love, not out of condemnation. And from that, you're going to see a thirst for a new way to live. You're going to see them finally come to a place where they realize that they can confess. And if we're asking them to do that, have you done that? It's going to be a prayer time at the end of this message today. And if there's unconfessed sin that's going on, it's getting in the way of what Jesus is doing. Remember what Pastor Russell taught us just two weeks ago. He had the courage up here to stand up and say, you need to confess because it leads to greater intimacy with God and it declutters your spiritual life. You're speaking truth into your life. And out of that confession, you hear the Holy Spirit in a way you never have. And then you have an opportunity to be obedient and go and proclaim Jesus. Look at this picture. That's from 1994. Believe it or not, that is me. Several pounds lighter, a lot more hair. Um, I was a mess. I thought I was on top of the world, but I was a mess. I'd played college ball at the University of Kansas. I'd go and play my minor league season. I'd come back and I'd shack up with a young lady that I wasn't married to. Living with her. Acting like I was married to her but not willing to commit to her. And so living in a way that I shouldn't, having that impact me in ways that I didn't even realize at the time, and it all kind, kind of came to a head when one day there was the very real possibility that she was pregnant. And I didn't want to be a dad. I didn't know what to do. I knew I didn't want to spend the rest of my life with her. I knew that the ways that I had been living, that all of a sudden I could no longer deny it because of what was facing me. I didn't even know how to pray to God. Because all the activity that needed to happen for her to be pregnant had already happened. And so now, what, what am I asking for? Some kind of, of divine end to the pregnancy? I can't ask God of that. And in that moment began to hunger and thirst for a different way to live. And I knew that me being in charge and me being Lord led to a place to where I can't even talk to that one who's actually in charge, the one who's the creator of everything. And I wish I could tell you that there was an immediate obedience that happened and I changed my life immediately, but I wasn't, I wasn't strong enough and I wasn't courageous enough for that. But over time, it did happen. And I realized that I needed to surrender my life to Jesus. And I started to begin to confess how I had lived wrong, selfishly, immoral. And out of that, you know what? I could start to hear his voice. 
I could start to hear from him. I surrendered my life to him in, in uh, July of 2001, and all of a sudden I could start to hear what it is that he was asking of me, and I got to a place where, you know what, I can't keep that inside. I can't hold, I can't stay in a holy huddle. I remember what it was like to live life without Jesus, and I don't ever want to go back there again, and I encounter people all the time that are living that life now, and I want them to know that there's a different way. Not because I'm busting their chops about how they're living now, but because I realize what it was like to be like that and say, hey, can I show you a different way? You ever notice that when you lead with all the good stuff and how you got all your life together and everything else, people look at you kind of sideways and go, I don't want any part of that. You think you're better than me. But all of a sudden you hear a brokenness in their life and you're like, oh, I have, I have, I've had a similar chapter to that. And you start to say, this is what it looked like for me. And all of a sudden now bridges are being built and they realize that they can walk across those bridges to something better and to something greater. I think y'all are in a unique time in the history of your church. And I think this is a chapter that you're going to look back on decades from now and go, man, that season was a turning point of explosion that not just happened at Journey Church, but happened throughout Central Florida. And that from here, there were people that were sent to other parts of this country and other parts of this world. That's the opportunity that's before you. And it all starts with you. Revive me according to your loving kindness. Are you courageous enough to pray that prayer and to walk through the realization that you have a hunger for something greater? You've got to confess the broken things that are in your life, that you'll obey what it is that the Holy Spirit's telling you. And then when you have those moments that you will proclaim Jesus. I believe you will. And I can't wait to see what it is that God's going to do. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Oh, dear Heavenly Father, still can't believe you would use us, Lord. As, as my wife likes to joke to me, I'm evidence that the Lord will still use the jawbone of a donkey to accomplish his mission. Lord, you invite us all into that. All of us. And so, Lord, I just pray a blessing over this family. that you would increase their courage. You would increase their obedience. You would increase their ability to be transparent about the mistakes that they've made in their life, that they're making in their life, Lord. That confession here would be something as seen as a, as a step towards freedom and a step towards intimacy, not a walk of shame. And that from that, Lord, that this community that they would go up and they would, they would talk to somebody and say, oh, when they want to invite you to something. You're like, man, you're the third person this week that's invited me from that church. That they would take these Easter cards and that they would, they would canvas this community. And that at some point, some folks are going, I'm just going to come, so maybe y'all will quit asking me. But then when they show up, all of a sudden they encounter someone that they've never met in their life and that someone is Jesus. And he changes everything, Lord. And so I pray revival over this church, Lord, please. In Opopka, in Lake County, in all the places that Journey Online reaches, Lord, please. We're asking for nothing less. Jesus, thank you for paying a price that you did not owe and a price that we could never pay. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Journey Christian Church, please go to 
journeychristian.com.